Welcome to the X29 Podcast. And he currently serves as executive director for X29. To my friend, my leader, my pastor, he is a pastor, a professor, and a planner. Brian, please open us up today. Thank you. Greetings, everyone. We finally were able to pull off a conference. This is our, uh, it's our third try. So we were supposed to be in Jacksonville, and we couldn't pull that off. And so we saw you all online last year, which was okay, but nothing like this. So being back in this room again and uh, being able to worship with you all together is just amazing. Uh, I know we've seen each other in smaller groups, but, but we haven't had something like this in in three years now, so it's really nice. You know, in California, we just finally stopped uh, observing COVID regulations this morning. So, so I just, just took off my mask this morning, and here I am. We just finally are out of our COVID. Kids finally get to go back to school tomorrow. So anyways, now listen, there, there are a lot of us in this room who joined Acts 29 many years ago. So I want you to listen for if this is you, all right? It's, it's been home for a long time. You've been through thick and thin. You've weathered some storms. You have a little bit of gray in your beard or your hair. All right, you're trying to hide that, some of you, with uh, Just for Men or some something or other, you know. You remember the Bible before the ESV. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you know that the Bible existed before the ESV. And you, you memorize the King James, so you still say thou when you repeat something back. You pull a hamstring every time you play volleyball. You can sing all the Bon Jovi songs from the 80s. You were there when rap music was invented, and you know that the West Coast dominated then and still does. All right? Would you stand if your church, if you're part of a church that has been a part of Acts 29 for longer than 10 years? Just go ahead and stand so I can see you. Longer than 10 years. Let's give the old people a hand. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right, now, okay, Boomer. Now, some of, some of us joined Acts 29 more recently. You have fresh enthusiasm. You're excited to be in this room. You can still dunk. You can get away with growing a mustache. You watch K-dramas. You wouldn't even know what that is if you're older, all right? You're thinking about having more kids, right? You actually like to say, okay, Boomer, you know, one night during dinner, this is not my notes, we were at dinner and my 21-year-old daughter said to me, bye, Felicia. And I, I said, what did you just say to me? Bye, Felicia. You'll have to Google that, all right? Hey, Amen. listen, we need, your, we need your fresh enthusiasm, your, your fresh excitement for Acts 29. So if you're here and you've been a part of Acts 29, you're part of a church that's been a part of Acts 29, for less than five years, will you please stand? Less than five years. All right. All right. Less than five years. All right. All right. All right. I don't know. If, I don't know if Donnie Cho's crew stood, but they brought sixteen people. I know Resonate brought eighteen people. They're trying to win. Living. All right. But see, Living Living Stones brought like thirty-five people, but Resonate pointed out. Resonated pointed out to me that if you divide 35 by 8, well, I don't know what the math is there, but they said we only have one location. So 
Now listen, some of you, what if you've been in Acts 29 between five and 10 years? You're too old for Dave Matthews and too young for Bon Jovi. Stand up for a second. Between five and 10 years, your church has been in Acts 29. All right. All right. Listen, we're, we're thankful for the veterans of Acts 29. You know, I didn't start my timer, so I'm going to start it now. It gave me five extra minutes. Uh, we're, we're, we're thankful for the veterans. We're thankful that you know that staying the course through challenging times is worth it because you believe in this mission. We're thankful for those of you that are newer in Acts 29. I love uh, running into people. I was at Grimke Seminary last week, and I was teaching a class. And I was talking to a friend, Justin, and he said, we just joined Acts 29 in the last year. We're thankful for your conquer the world ambition, for your fresh enthusiasm, uh, for, your, for your contagious excitement. Now listen, some believe that Acts 29 has seen its best days, and I'm here to tell you that that's fake news. That's right. Not even close. In fact, we've assessed and sent 100 new church planners already in 2022. In 2023, yeah, let's clap for that. In, in 2023, we will launch and send 150 new church plants in 2023. Dozens of existing churches are joining us annually because they want, a, want to be a part of what we're doing in terms of planting churches worldwide. I have a team of nine folks on our team, our, our, our senior leadership team, and they constantly tell me, there's nothing else in the world like Acts 29. We, we have theological conviction that isn't moving. We're truly global. We don't just have a global division. That's right. We're truly global. That's different. All right, we're committed to church planting. Who else is doing this? So I was thinking about this because you know what critics math is? Critics math is when 99 people compliment you and one person says that you suck and you listen to the one person. We all tend to do that, right? I, I remember hearing a story about Larry David, the creator of The Simpsons, and Curb Your Enthusiasm being at Madison Square Garden at a Knicks game, and they show his picture up on the screen, and everybody cheers, Larry David is at the game, and then on the way to his car after the game, somebody runs up next to him, and they yell at him, and they say, Larry David, you suck, and they say all kinds of stuff to him, and in the car on the way back, his friend said he couldn't remember the 13,000 people at the Knicks game, that cheered for him, he just kept talking about, why did this one person run up to me and say that? Think about critics' math, right? When people say, man, Acts 29 has seen better days, I hear that out of one out of 100 people, I wanna say, we're not Kmart, we're not, we're not Marie Callenders. So, some of you still like Marie Callenders, you haven't found that, you haven't found uh, In-N-Out Burger yet. So, we're, listen, we're just getting started, and our best days are ahead of us. And I question whether or not I should say this or not, but I'm gonna say it, that'll pique your interest. I wouldn't personally be wasting my time doing this That's right. if our best days weren't ahead of us. I'm telling you that honestly. Yeah, and our yeah. team wouldn't be wasting our time investing our lives in this. Like, I'm 52. People kinda wanna hire the people that are in our stage of life. Some of you young people are like, whatever, Grandpa. But still, <laughs> I'm saying, look, we wouldn't be wasting our time investing in this global church planting mission if we didn't believe that our best days are ahead of us. Now, I wanna show you some pictures of people that believe in something and are committed to something that they believe in. They spend tons of cash, 
They wear the same clothes. They sit next to each other and they scream together, all right? So when the first slide comes up, I'll point at it and I will show you the 12th man of Texas A&M, all right? Josh Patterson in the house. Any Texas A&M fans in the house? There's 12 of you, okay? Good, that's the 12th man right there. Listen, these people are Aggies. Matt Chandler's in that crowd somewhere. You just have to find him. I was going to put his face on somebody that I couldn't figure out how to do it because I'm 52. So <laughs> listen, these people believe in and just might give their lives for Texas A&M football. I know Austin from the great uh, nation of Austin, the People's Republic of Austin. You're not really about that, right? So, But these people believe that if they yell loud enough, they can pull their football team to victory. And about twice a year it works, right? About twice a year. All right, now next. This, this is going out to Tyler Jones, all right? These are the Cameron, next slide, the Cameron Crazies. Now, listen, you either love Duke University or you're a Christian and you don't love Duke University. These people are Duke University students. They, they don't yet realize that they get better calls from the referees in every game. They haven't yet learned that. And so... And it may be because the refs are afraid of them. I mean, look at those people. That's a scary group of people, the Cameron Crazies, all right? Next, I want to go to, uh, I want to, go to the L.A. Dodgers faithful. So, I'm, I'm say, these people rightfully know that, they're, uh, that they have the best baseball team ever. I mean, we're winning so many games this year that we're not sure what to do. You know, it's like we're just... Don't, these games don't even count anymore. We're a little bit bored at this point. Used to winning, so most of the time we show up in the third inning and we leave in the fifth inning because you're just you're just that cool in Los Angeles. And you, you know, I spent eight hundred dollars for this ticket. We wear fancy clothes to baseball games. Nobody else does that. All right. Now, lastly, this is for you Canadians. Now, I admit I don't know a lot about Canada, but this is the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Now, you just look at that one guy. He's demon possessed, right, right, right there in the middle. That's the Edmonton Oilers. Now listen, this is what I have read about the Edmonton Oilers. We have 70-something Canadians in the house here. These Canadians, these, these Canadians are committed to their hockey, right? They love sunsets, long walks on the beach, and seeing people beaten up and bloodied on the ice, right? They like to say, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> listen, we, we join things and fight for things and are passionate about things because we believe in what this thing is about. All right? So I, I, like, I like our L.A. sports teams, you know, and I, 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 I like the college sports team that I, of the university that I went to. We, we invest dollars and time in those things. We, we partner with other people who are also committed to those things. You know, I did one year at University of Arizona where I grew up right next to the campus in Tucson. I was kicked out of the University of Arizona. Uh, let's keep that just between us, all right? Let's not tell anybody. But every once in a while, I'm walking down the street, and I see someone with the University of Arizona hat on, and I stop and talk to that person. doesn't matter if they're young or old. They're an Arizona Wildcat fan. They know that we would beat Duke if we got better calls in the games, you know? We, we have that in common. Now, listen, we, you know, I brought another hat here, because I'm not trying to be Francis Chin. I'm not quite that good, but we, we have in common... All right, all Acts, right. That's the Acts 29 hat. We have in common... Acts 29. Like this is, this is what we're about. This, this is our thing. And I decided in our session today, our, our team asked me, I don't want to disrespect that hat. You know, the Dodgers is one thing, but the Acts 29 hat. That's right. That's right. So our team said to me, hey, we, we want you to share some vision for Acts 29. 
And as I thought about this, and so I'm not really going to preach. We are going to look at a little bit of scripture. But what I, what I want to do is I, I want to answer the question, why are we a part of this thing? If you said to Duke University students, like, why are you here? Why are you going crazy? They would say, I'm a Duke student. I applied to all these colleges. I chose Duke University. If you said to Dodger fans, why am I a Dodger fan? Because I grew up in Los Angeles. Like, my dad grew up next to, in downtown L.A., next to the campus of USC. Ryan Kwan went to Taft High School, same high school my dad went to in Los Angeles. Ryan's a Dodger fan, I hope. He lives in NorCal now, but because he grew up in Los Angeles. Why are we in Acts 29? Why are we a part of Acts 29? I'm flying down to a large church in about a week with Dave Brusk. It's a very large church in the southeast of the United States who's interested in joining Acts 29. And I was recently sitting down with one of our donors, and he said to me, why would an existing church even join Acts 29? And so I'm going to answer that question. You might be here and you might wonder, we're not sure why we're in this thing. Remind us, it's been three years. And I want to give you four reasons of why we are together in Acts 29. And by the way, I say this with love and respect, but if these reasons don't resonate with you, you may not be in the right place. You might hear these things and go, I'm not sure I'm about those things. And then I would say, God bless you. We love you. But this is what we're about. All right, number one, we believe. When I say we, the word we is important. Will you say it with me? We. Let's say it one more time. We. We believe in living out the Great Commission. Let me read the Great Commission for you. All right, you probably have this memorized. You old folks know the these and thous. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One commentator writing on, on this great commission uh, passage rightfully explains, if a Christian understands all the rest of the Gospel of Matthew but fails to understand this closing passage, he has missed the point of the entire book. Fellowship, teaching, and praise are not the mission of the church, but are rather the preparation of the church to fulfill its mission of winning the lost. There's only one reason God allows his church to remain on earth, to seek and to save the lost, just as Christ's only reason for coming to earth was to seek and to save the lost. Now, 21 years ago, I planted a church. I didn't know a lot about church planting. I read a book by Ed Stetzer. There wasn't as much out there 21 years ago as there is today. So I, I, the reason I knew about church planting is that our church had been planted by our lead pastor 25 years earlier. And so I planted a church. I didn't know any other church planters, not a single other church planter. I didn't know how to write a prospectus. I didn't know how to raise money, but I knew I wanted to plant the church. And I would say now God just knew that he wanted me to plant a church. So he took our youthful vigor and he used it. And I've now been a part of planting churches ever since. Now why? Because I believe the Bible is true. Because I believe that Jesus sent us to make disciples. And because I believe that the call of the Great Commission is not to simply do some personal evangelism, but to plant churches. Now, I remember when we planted our church, we did jacuzzi evangelism and food court evangelism. Now, I don't encourage you uh, men to do evangelism with your shirt off necessarily, all right? But 
but we lived in this little apartment and we were trying to figure out where can we find people that we could lead to Christ. We planted a church for one reason and ask my wife, she will tell you this is the truth. We simply wanted to lead people to Christ. We'd led a lot of kids to Christ, a few hundred in our, in our decade of youth ministry. We wanted to lead folks to Christ. And we, we thought, well, we're not here to just find disgruntled Christians. We want to lead people to Christ. So we live in this apartment. Where do you find people? The common area. So we're down at the jacuzzi every night, cuddling up to people. They're like, can you scoot over a little bit? We're like, but the jet's right here. It feels good. And then we're trying to find a way to share the gospel with people. It was awkward, but we honestly did that. And then we went to the food court because that's the only place we could afford to eat out. You know, church planters' salary, you're just trying to figure out, like, it's cheaper to eat ramen at home, but there's no unbelievers at our house. And so we have to get out to the food court. Big food court, one family there on a Tuesday night. Guess where we sat? Right next to them. Again, awkward. Could you please move away? But we wanted to reach people for Christ because that's what we're doing when we plant churches. We're trying to reach people for Christ. We are planting evangelistic churches. So listen, why are we a part of Acts 29? Because we believe in living out the Great Commission and we believe that church planting is the best way to live it out. That's why we're in Acts 29. And make no mistake about it, we're planting churches worldwide. Hundreds and hundreds, and you're a part of that. So you can go back to your church and say, we're planting 100 churches as a church right now with the dollars that our church is contributing. We're planning 100 churches. I wanna say this to you, okay, hear me. Ignore the noise. Not everybody likes what we do. Resistance is real, spiritual battle is real. You know what, the Dodgers don't care if you don't like their team. The Dodgers don't care. LeBron does not care if you don't like the Lakers. Duke University fans will kill you they don't care if you don't like Duke University. Right. I remember one time being at the UCLA-USC football game. We all know that UCLA does not have the same tradition, I'm sorry, Ryan, as USC. But I remember seeing a group of UCLA fans walking through a crowd of USC fans, and I thought, these people are in trouble. Like, you can't even walk through that crowd right now. They don't care if you like their team. And listen, our mission is to plant churches worldwide and see disciples made and stay laser focused on that and ignore the noise. You know, I, I, I don't hear a lot of the noise because honestly, I have four mainly grown kids and a wife and we're planting churches and living on mission in our neighborhood. We have to ignore the noise and continue to plant churches. With, with the dollars that our churches give when we volunteer as cohort leaders, as wife support coordinators, as assessors, when you serve your Acts 29 church effectively, resonate folks, all right, with all of you that are here, living stones folks, when you give toward its ministries, you're helping to plant evangelistic churches worldwide. Look, you're gonna meet, you're gonna meet, I call them the Brazilians, all right? You're gonna meet the Brazilians here a little yes, bit sir. later. The Brazilians put on a conference in May, and I just went down to it, and they, they invited me to speak through, through Felipe, who translated. When you, and it reminded me of Acts 29, 15 years ago. When you see the churches that we're planting in Brazil right now, it's like going to an orphanage in Mexico. You'll give everything away when you're there. You're like, this is why we're in this. We're planting evangelistic churches worldwide, living out the Great Commission. All right, here's number two. Number two, why are we in Acts 29? Because this is our tribe. This is our tribe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, listen, Acts 29 is my tribe. 
When I planted a church, we'd grown to maybe four or 500 people. We weren't a part of any tribe. I thought we were the emerging church. We'll keep that between us once again. I, I, I was in the front row, front row with Sean Palmer, who's here in the room, who's an astronaut pastor. Sean will tell you, we were in the front row at the emerging church in like, I don't know, 2001. We thought we're the emerging church. We're not legalists. We're not really seeker sensitive. We're getting back to the Bible. And when we get there and we were like, oh, dang, these people don't believe the Bible. We, and so uh, me and Sean Palmer were like, what are we going to do? We got to figure out, we're not the emerging church. That is not us. And then somebody said to me, have you heard of this thing called Acts 29? And I hadn't heard of it, but I knew, I knew who Mark Driscoll was because I remember what him speaking back in the day. So we go up to Seattle and my wife will tell you uh, that I came home from that conference and she will tell you falsely that I cried when I came into the house. And sh she will tell you that I said, we found our home. We found our tribe. And we went to Boulder that very first year. Of course, it was weird. They had beer on the registration table. I'd never seen that before at a Christian conference. We walked up. I met J.R. Vassar. I met, I met a lot of you there. And a lot of you weren't there. There's only a few of us left that were, that were there. And I, I realized this is our tribe. I had lunch with Tony and Kimberly Marita yesterday and Doug Logan. And, and Tony said, I, I'm, I, I'm going to go back and get a little bit of rest time because I'm going to speak tonight. I said, hey, man, you go when you're ready. They got there before us. He goes, no. I don't really want to give up this fellowship time. And he said, these are my people. That's what he said. Like we, like we were sitting at the yard house in the hotel and we just love being together because we know that we have commonality. Now think about the word tribe for a second. The New York Times recently featured a study of the word tribe. I did some study on it and the concept of tribe. And listen to this. People throughout history, this is a quote, have banded together to survive. We've always been shaped by our connections to the people in closest proximity to us. A tribe is joined together not by what makes us different, but by what makes us the same. And then they go on to say, is tribe the best word to describe a group that transcends the ties of biological family, geography, and language, and is united instead by ideology or aesthetic? The English language fails us here. A clan is related by blood, a generation by age, a faction by politics, a clique doesn't scale beyond the intimacy of friends, and a gang has come to be deployed almost exclusively in matters of youth and crime. To call a group a subculture presumptively shunts it to the margins. Speaking of the word tribe, no other word in English carries the same promise of a family beyond a family. Paul says, in Christ. Paul says, in Christ, and I would say in Acts 29, we're in Christ, and this is our tribe. This is our theological tribe. It's our missional tribe. It's our cultural tribe. I walk out to get a cup of coffee. I see 10 of you that I know. I see folks that I've known for years. I want to hug every one of you, and I feel like when we go home, it kind of feels like Christian camp just ended, and it feels like, man, that, that camp time high that you experienced when you were in high school, this is our tribe. These are the people that we do mission with. Look, look, we're not legalists. We're not theological liberals. We're not Arminians. We believe the Bible. We engage culture. It's more important than Duke basketball. It's more important than the 12th man. It's more important than the Dodgers. It's more important than my national identity. This is my tribe. Yeah, right. We're part of Acts 29 because this is our tribe. Number three, we have global ambition. Why are we a part of Acts 29? Why am I a part of Acts 29? Because we have global ambition. Maybe a better word is commitment. 
We have global commitment, but I wanted to use both words. We're ambitious and we're committed. Your local ministry is vital. Your city needs you. Your church's work is essential. I just wrote a a post that's going to come out this Monday on what I'm thankful for in terms of our pastors. And I'm thankful that God has put you in your city because God put you there to reach your city. Look, Patrick Bowler, I've never been to Lebanon, Oregon. Jared, I've never been to your city in Idaho. I've been to Fremont one time. I stayed at the Hampton Inn. It was lovely. I ate sushi. (laughs) So I've never been to your city, most of your cities, right? But, But God has you there, and you know your city, and you love your city, and God put you there like I know my city and love my city. That's vital. God is drawing people to himself in your city, and and you are there. But you know what? Most of us also want to be a part of reaching the nations. Do we not? We care about the nations. Jesus tells us to make disciples of Fremont only, right? That's not what he says. And we need to make disciples in Nashville and in Denver and in Fremont and in small towns, but we need to make disciples of all nations. So I hope that you care about Brazil, and I hope you care about European countries and about Argentina. I hope you care about those countries. We are planting churches globally. And being a part of a movement like Acts 29 that's currently making disciples in at least 51 nations is what we're doing. Amen. Your church making disciples in 51 nations. I want you to check out this picture that's going to come up on the screen. This is Acts 29 West Africa. We just did an event there like a month or two. I mean, look at the Acts 29 banner on the side. That is Acts 29 West Africa, like 50, 60 pe- 50 or 60 people there. We are just getting started in West Africa. We've got a couple of leaders. Your church is planting Acts 29 in West Africa. It seems that every Uber I ride in in this city has a driver from Africa. And everyone also seems to have on K-Love. And so I'm listening to a lot of reckless love every time I get in. Every time it's like elevation, every time I get in. And I, I try to have conversations with these drivers. I, I tend to ask an Uber driver, I notice you're listening to Christian music. Are you a Christian? And they normally say yes. And then I ask them where they're from. And they tell me what country they're from. And then I say, well, I work as a part of Acts 29. We're planting churches in Africa. And that's an exciting thing that you were a part of. You can yeah. tell your church that. Your church has a lot to give, but a lot to receive from being involved globally. You know, I want to encourage you next year to try to save up the money and and get your passport and go to one of these events. Come with us to Brazil. Go to Turkey. Uh, Go to Belfast, Ireland. Go to the UK conference in Liverpool. uh, uh, our, our, Our team is here right now. Steve is here from Liverpool. All right, so go to these events and connect globally. In fact, I hope, look, we can, we can fit 400 people in our meeting right after this, our global partnership meeting, but I hope you all go because we hope the fire marshal shows up. Come on, let's go. Let's all get there. Let's all go to this meeting right afterwards and let's build global partnerships with our global churches. Amen. All right, and make sure that our church's missions dollars are being maximized. We believe in living out the Great Commission. That's why we're in Acts 29. This is our tribe. That's why we're in Acts 29. We're committed to making a global impact. We have global ambition. And lastly, and I spoke on the the, the North American Pastors and Wives Retreat on this, uh, I think it was last year, right? My whole session, I said, we are better together. We are better together. We're in Acts 29, 
because we're better together. When I was pastoring my church and I realized we don't really have any partners, you know, what do we need? We need partners who are doing what we're doing. And man, in my context, we took some hits for joining Acts 29. I mean, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but one or two of you have taken a hit for joining Acts 29 in your context. We took some hits, and I remember uh, a big hit that we took, and I sat down in a very important room and said, we joined this because we are looking for, we joined it as a church of 500 people because we are looking for other churches that we can plant churches with. That's why we joined Acts 29. You might, you, you might be laboring in a church of 75 people, wondering why more people are not coming to Christ. You might feel like, man, our church is struggling. You know, we, half the people want to wear masks and half the people think we've sold out and half the people believe in vaccines and half the people don't and half the people voted for this person and half the people voted for this person. And no matter what I preach, I can't seem to win. I, I make people mad no matter what. You might be laboring through that right now. I want to re- remind you that you're a part of something much bigger. And this isn't salesmanship. We, we wouldn't be here if we weren't a part of something much bigger. Thousands of people, it was 5,000 and something that you told us came to Christ in your churches last year. Thousands of people coming to Christ every year in the churches of our tribe, in the churches of this movement. And realize this thing is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, I'm not a big numbers guy. We, we celebrated 800 people like 12 times. I was at the Global Gathering a few years ago. We're like, the 800th person, he ran up on the stage. I don't know who that guy was, if you're here. Awesome. Uh, I, I just know that when we keep planting churches, and we plant 100 churches this year and 150 next year, and when Brazil is planting their first church in the Amazon, right now our assessment director, Jeff Metters, will be there in a week or two. I just know that, man, there is nowhere to go but forward. And... You don't have to do ministry alone as a church. You're not alone. We're better together. We're building lifelong friendships here. Man, when I run into Harvey Turner and I run into Tony Morita and I run into Ryan Kwan and David Fandy and so many others of you, uh, we're building lifelong friendships. And man, that is critical and valuable. We're partnering together with others who share our theology and our mission and our values. We are better together. So... Why are we in Acts 29? And I told you at the beginning of my session, if you don't resonate with this, these reasons, then I, you know, this may not be the best fit for you, but I think most of us do because we're in this to plant great commission churches and we're in this because this is our tribe and we're committed to global ambition and we're better together. So let me conclude by saying this. I mean, our lives are short. Some of us, some of us aren't buying green bananas. You know what I'm saying? Our, our li- <laughs> Some of you young people haven't heard that, all right? Our lives are short. We have, a, we have a few years. Let's work together. Let's partner together. Let's pool our resources. Let's get across the world. Let's make every gathering global. Let's plant churches in our city and win people to Christ in our neighborhood. Let's spend tons of money on global mission. Right? Let's, let's, let's get the word out that we are here to plant churches. Let's build this tribe. Let's, let's live out the Great Commission. And let's plant churches worldwide. 